Welcome to WWJT. On today's episode, I'm pumped to have uh, Sarah Zylstra on the podcast with us. I said it wrong. I totally said it wrong. Sarah. No, you were close. You were close. I was close. <laughs> Zylstra. Um, she is the senior writer and faith and work editor for the Gospel Coalition. She's the co-author of Gospel Bound, Living with Resolute Hope in an Anxious Age, and editor of Social Sanity in an Insta World. She believes that social media should come with a warning label. And she recently wrote something that caught our attention. She said this, let's play video games, just like we strive to do everything else under the Lordship of Christ and before the face of God. Thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on to WWJT. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. My name is Andrew. Uh, if you're new here, WWJT, What Would Jesus Tech? We are a reformed podcast helping Christians use tech, find rest, and glorify God. And why don't we just get to know you a little bit better, Sarah? Where did you grow up? You're in Chicago now. Were you always in Chicago? I was not. I grew up in the cornfields of Iowa. Um, went to school out there at the um, Dort University, which is a reformed college in Iowa, and then I um, met my husband there, and we came to Chicago to go to graduate school and then never left. So here we are. Nice. Nice. And what was a, what was one of the favorite games that you played as a kid? Oh, I my dad built my sister and I a dollhouse. Um, and so we had Barbies, and he, he built us a dollhouse, and it had, you know, five different rooms, five or six rooms and closets, and um, oh. we spent hours with that. And what about your kids? You have two kids, right? I do. Two what do they enjoy playing with? Yeah. So my oldest is 16 and he's deep into basketball. And so he plays um, with the team, but also on his own. He plays basketball all the time. Um, he also loves baseball. And my youngest is now 13 and he is into everything. So he's into dinosaurs. He's into Legos. He's into finding rocks. He's into reading. He's into fencing. He's also into basketball or whatever sport you have out. He's into board games. Um, all the things, if there's a thing, then he wants to be into it. Very cool. Yeah. And I was trying to understand this degree, master's degree in journalism. Yes. But master of science in journalism. What does that mean? Yeah. It just means uh, that you went to journalism school, I guess. Um, I did that after. So after college, I went to a small college and I majored, double majored in English and communication. And then um, my husband dragged me to Chicago. And so here we were, but Chicago is a huge market. And so if you're just coming in with a little bachelor's degree, it's hard to break into. So the two things you can do is either one, you can go back down to those smaller markets and then work your way up, or you can go to a place like Medill, which gives you sort of accelerates the experience, but also the networking. And so mm. that's the, well, I chose that route since that way I didn't have to leave my husband. Well, you have written quite a bit. I've appreciated it over the years. Um, one thing that seems to be true of your focus in journalism per se, because you've written, you know, on 9-11 or on mm -hmm. Escape from Cabal, like like very intense stories that take a lot of um, fact checking and things like that. But you don't prioritize hit pieces. You you mm -hmm. seem to prioritize hope pieces. Yeah. Why Why is hope so important for you? Why do you always write about it? Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. Well, first, because it was my job when I first started working for the Gospel Coalition, um, Colin Hansen, who's my editor, was like, I just want you to write stories of where God is at work in the world. And we're like, maybe this will only last a couple months. Like, is anybody doing anything? Is it like, did that all end in acts or is this really still happening? 
Um, mm -hmm. So what was delightful is like, not only is God at totally at work in the world, but it's also really interesting to read about and think about and find out about. Um, and so that it's been four or five years now, and we're still going strong with, you know, God is always doing something somewhere and it's interesting. So we're looking for stories that are unique or crazy in some way that you're like, cause God's spirit is always working all the time, but we're looking for places where it's like, you know, kind of knock your socks off stories. And I, my socks were knocked, um, with, with this piece on video games. So what, what got you into thinking about video games? How, like yeah. the story of like, you're, you're a mother. So maybe you're thinking about your kids playing video games as well. Yeah. So first of all, my socks were knocked off by this too, which is, you know, <laughs> kind of the best when your own socks get knocked off. Um, I actually started thinking about video games because I started thinking about social media and I actually started thinking about social media in actually in terms of like more like grown women. Cause we were hearing this a lot in our women's teams and from uh, risen motherhood who were friends with the girls over there. And they were hearing this a lot too of like, Hey, women are struggling with social media. So we wrote the book, social sanity and Insta world. And as we did that, um, they said, you know what, this is, this is awesome. But there's, you're missing a whole group of people, which is Gen Z, who experience technology differently. So we did uh, Scrolling Alone, that podcast for the Gen Z girls. And as I was doing that podcast, I was thinking in my head of the parallels with video games. Um, so you have influencers in the social media world, but you also have influencers in the gaming world. Everybody watches these guys. Mm. A couple guys play video games. Um, there's all kinds of, there is, um, there's like sort of addictive worries about it. Like, gosh, we're spending a lot of time on this. Um, there are, um, like number, you can gauge how well you're doing by, by numbers, right? Like how many likes you get is how well you're doing or how many followers. But the same thing is true in video games. Like it's the num the statistics that are telling you how well that you're doing. Um, so we just saw a lot of, and also it's on your device, right? Like there, you're carrying this, this around with you. So Mm -hmm. Since I don't have girls and I have boys, as I was learning about the girls, I was also thinking like, oh, I can see parallels here. So it's at least worth looking at the video game industry. Now, I want to be clear right from the beginning, like I, after looking at both of these, I think social media is a much more dangerous and bigger concern than video games. And yet also we want to play our video. We want to do both for the glory of God, for sure. And they both, like everything else in our life, deserve to be thought about and thought about theologically. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's like literally the the podcast that we're doing here, right? So, yeah. um, thinking about thinking about that gender gap, it always has struck me as you know me and my male friends get together, play video games. It was common, whether it was Mario in university or you know FIFA or whatever it is. Um, even still to this day, you know I'm 33 years old. One of my closest guy friends, he's a good Christian guy. We will get together. We'll sometimes talk. How's it going as a dad? How's it going as a husband? You know, how can we improve in our walk with God? And then we'll play Rocket League for half an hour, like or an hour, or sometimes an hour and a half. Like, and we'll just get into <laughs> yeah. it. And that's not true of women, it seems. You did some research, and obviously people will have to read the full article or listen to the podcast. We'll link to it in the notes. But did, were you surprised by just how big the gap was between men and women, or was it just kind of the way it is? Yeah, you know, I was, I guess I was, um, 
I wasn't surprised in just in the way that you said, like I can observe it in my own life. My, neither one of my kids cares for one second about social media. They don't have it. And there's no social consequence for boys not to be on social media. Um, and so mm. who, you know, their classmates don't care if they're on there or not. Um, and so it, it is an interesting, the way that it's almost split like that. It's interesting to think about the research too, um, that one study showed when they, when they hooked these guys up, that the, the centers of the male brain for adventure are just laid light up like crazy when you're doing the video games. Um, those reward centers or the accomplishment, feel, that good feeling of accomplishment. And for girls, they light up too, but the difference in how much they light up is huge, which is why there aren't as many girls. You walk into a girl's dorm in a college and there might be some girls playing video games, but it's easier for them to put it down. Um, they feel losses more keenly than boys do. I thought that was fascinating. Mm. When boys lose something, they're just like, meh, I'll try again. Um, and girls are like, oh, and they feel that a little bit more. Also, um, boys feel wins more highly and better than girls do, which I thought was fascinating again of like when they accomplish something, uh, conquer something um, in a game, they really feel the joy of that. And so they're, everything in them is built toward that, which is beautiful and the way that God made them, um, but also could make us, you know, think about things more wisely. Hmm. I, I love how it's like, oh, th this all sounds bad, but you're right. It is beautiful because that high achievement in men that underlying desire that gets lived out in a video game, that high achievement should go towards fruitful things. And, and like, isn't that great that God made men to have this ambition, this drive towards those things? And, and you know, not that women can't be ambitious. And obviously, you know, I could add a bunch of caveats here. And um, but but totally agree with you that there's there is this beauty in this complementary difference between men and women and how God made us. Um, you know, I worked at a personality company, it's a tech company that did a personality survey, and there's just straight up differences between men and women. Um, you know, so women are higher on neuroticism, one of the big five traits. And that means that, yeah, they're going to feel losses more acutely than men, the average woman will. So like, there's just research about these differences. Um, another thing that you researched was just the generational gap. And I don't know, there's always this, the worst technology is the technology of the next generation after me, right? So it's like, oh, video games back in my day, the N64, it wasn't so bad. It wasn't connected to the internet. It was pure. Um, <laughs> Sega Genesis, it was pure, but the phone, yeah. the phone has changed it, connected to the internet. It's terrible these days. Is it really that much worse today? Do you think it's getting worse? Are video games getting worse? What are the changes that you saw? I actually think the problem is video games are getting better. Um, video games are so much better than when when we were. I'm older than you are, but I mean, I remember my brother playing, and it was terrible, right? Like it's just like these awful graphics wandering around, um, <laughs> and that plays out a little bit in the numbers too. So in 1999, I was in college, and about half of teen boys played video games, and the average was about half an hour a day. So yeah, some guys played a lot, some guys didn't play at all, but that was sort of the average. Today, 97% of boys play instead of half of boys, almost all boys play. And they play for an average of two hours and 20 minutes a day. And some don't play at all. So some are playing a ton. So even wow. if you're just looking at that number, even if video games aren't necessarily worse or better, um, just looking at the amount of the, the huge amount of time just in those 20 years that we're spending on it, um, it's just worth considering like, oh, is this what we want to be doing? 
Um, is there ways to do this well? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, from the technologist point of view, those those metrics are actually what we want to hear as gamers who are creating games are like, yes, we want people to be spending more time on games. And that's actually, we, we've kind of talked about it before in the podcast, that's actually a cause of creators thinking more deeply about how to engage people, right? Mm -hmm. One thing is like, okay, yeah, we're going to improve the graphics. We're going to make this more higher fidelity. But another thing is even changing the platforms and type of games that are out there. So, you know, originally a lot of the games were very reward driven, which definitely appeared more to males and females. I think looking at um, Statistica, you can see in 2000, it was 60% to four, uh, men to 40% women in the U.S. And actually coming up in 2020, we're almost at 50-50%. And it's like, well, how, wow, that gender gap has closed. But when you dig into it more, it's not that it's closed in all platforms. It's just that in different platforms, women are starting to lead the way. For example, um, Animal Crossing or like farming simulators, games that are more role-playing games where they appeal to what maybe women naturally enjoy doing. And these creators are thinking about these reward systems and saying like, how do we get women online? Actually, if you look at mobile gaming, women are more, for the first time, more involved than men at 52%. So, you know, men maybe go closer to consoles and women are doing more on the mobile. And it's like, why is that? And I think, yeah, this is this is really the data and insights that people in technology are thinking about because, you know, they're trying to grow the pie. And what we have to think about really is how do we grow that pie in an ethical way that like brings glory to God rather than growing it by increasing addiction, right? And those type of things. Absolutely. I totally agree. And I think the generational gap, like Tim Keller was on a podcast recently and he referenced that his generation, so he's in his mid seventies, his generation and his parents' generation, big difference, but his generation. And then I guess my generation, our generation, you know, not as big of a difference, but then our generation and our kids, there's these huge differences now. Games are getting better. People are playing more. Social media is changing. People are getting more depressed. You know, we could go and talk about social media a bunch too. Um, but it's it's just kind of like, okay, is there a boy crisis? Is there a is there a depression crisis? Is there a mental health crisis? Yeah, there's a lot of problems. And as much as I want to say everything can glorify God, even a video game and play isn't wrong, and and we'll get to maybe some more positives at the end as we get on in this podcast, I do really want to like just the stark, oh man, like, like you started out your podcast with talking about, well, what are these mass shootings happening? They're happening by boys, you know, and, and, and I get nervous. Like I, I just, something recoils in me like, oh, what's happening in this world? Everything's so bad. Are we, we need to do something. We need to freak out. Do you think we need to freak out? Um, I think what I think, the thing we need to worry about is sin. So like underneath all of this is just straight up old sin, right? Like our own greed, our own desire for things to be easy, our own like seeking of our own pleasure. Um, you could, and we could do a whole podcast on pornography and the technology of pornography, right? And like how easy we're always reaching for what's easy and what will make us feel good. Um, so I, I think underneath it, 
is old. And I don't think we need to freak out about that. We need to push against it. We need to work for, you know, work out our salvation and fear and trembling and hmm. um, draw others to the truth. But then we have to, you know, I don't, I don't think we need to freak out because I think um, every generation's got its, oh, the places where Satan is pushing or the places where they're especially tempted or the new technology that comes out that, you know, could be used for good or bad and the bad feels good and in we go. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's like, sure, our, but just the same as always. Yeah, no, no, exactly. It's, it's, it's the, it's the, dis- people think distraction is new, but it's a very old sin pattern of people replacing create the creator with creation. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the inability of an individual to sit in a quiet room alone, right. We just can't, do that. We've never been able to do that. That's what Blaise Pascal said in like decades ago, centuries ago. And I think Augustine said it really well when he prayed to God, our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. And of course we're restless and we're looking for things to satiate that restlessness. And we all are. Like if we're just honest, whether you're male or female, we're all trying to find this thing to, to prove we're worthy or to justify our existence. So for me, you know, I really appreciate how my chess score on chess.com is, is growing. I look at my statistics and I feel good that it's higher. And then I switch over to social media and I see, ooh, another person subscribed to my sub stack or ooh, another person downloaded. And like my heart is restless. Mm. And that's the truth is that the only thing that is is the true problem here is sin like you said and i i think sometimes we we critique symptoms instead of the source of the mm. symptoms which is sin um one good diagnostic question you can ask yourself is if you thought i'm i'm going to get off if god asked me to get off chess.com or my family or if i had to get off um what does that what emotions does that bring up in your heart cuz i i got off social media boy, was that hard and took forever. And the emotions that were coming up in my heart were like, um, sort of this animalistic, like I have to hang on to this. Right. But which is crazy. Like nobody cares if I'm on Facebook or not there, you know, the world is not a better place if I'm actually on there. Um, so it was just interesting to like kind of dig into those emotions or like, is that an idol? Right. Like that's what, is that maybe what an idol feels like is you feel like, I don't want to give that up. I don't want to let that go. I don't want God to have that, that that's mine. Like, so just if you even just do that thought experiment with yourself, yeah. um, what does come up in your heart and just sit with that a minute and think about, hmm, you know, maybe how, how can we work on that? Yeah. I'm currently trying to take a break from logging onto Twitter for a full month. Yeah. Um, but my, my wife laughs at me because I still use a third-party app to post on Twitter because I just couldn't couldn't restrict myself from doing that. But I'm not seeing any notifications. And I yearn for that little red notification still, even though it's been 25 days in. I'm like, ooh, six more days and I get to log in. I'm like, this is, I'm learning something right now. I'm learning something about my my uh, the way that this little red notification is so important to me. Um, you know, it's been, a, it's been likened to a cigarette hit right? In terms of addiction, it's been likened to the same way that you sit and you at a casino and you 
you know, mm -hmm. ching and you it see all, and, and it's the lottery consequence. You don't know when you log into that app, what will show up. You don't know when you log into that video game, how successful you'll be. Maybe I'll play against someone on chess.com. And it's funny, I play chess because it's less socially stigmatized than any other video game. So it's like, oh, you play chess, how sophisticated. And it's like, yes, I am a sophisticated, <laughs> uh, you know, Bible theology. I'm a theologian who plays chess, you know, I'm, <laughs> It's like, no, I'm just caught up in a video game too. Mm -hmm. um, but let's let's think about because you get into this in your piece and and I and they're studying this, I guess, at Dort University as well, of a theology of play, of of you know, and I think any technology, there is no such thing as a technology that's neutral, right? So technology shapes you, forms you. Jason Thacker says it, it disciples you. Any technology mm -hmm. does. So how are different technologies shaping, discipling me? And what if games are a good thing that God created? Can you help us think about games and if games were the theology of playing games? Yes. In fact, this is, I wrestled with this because I think this is a big difference between video games and social media. Social media hmm. is not a game. It's a, it's a communication way to communicate with other people. And so as such, there's a different underlying, um, yeah, the structure of what it is, its foundation is different. Um, video games, you could go, you could play with somebody else. You could, you know, there's a, there's something about play. So we do, God gives us play. Um, it's not written out in the Bible as such, but we know from common grace, what we can observe from those around us. And even from God's character himself, if you go to a zoo or you look at creation and you can kind of see the way God plays with colors and with light and sounds and shapes, um, and that we can see this in our kids, especially as kids develop, like their ability to play by themselves and with other kids. Those are really mm -hmm. important developmental milestones. They're practicing um, social interaction. They're they're finding out more about themselves. There's a lot that we learn in play. As adults, we play for a couple of reasons. We play to connect with other people. Like when you play with your friend, you're that's a connection point for you. You're building a friendship there. Um, but you also play to like, um, you know, you can't work all the time. Um, God gives us limits on how, on what we can do and you really can't work constantly. So play is a really good way to relax your brain and use it in a different way. And if you think about like lots of ideas from geniuses of the past were like, I was on a walk and this idea came to me, or I was doing this other thing. And this idea came like the way that our brains make connections when they can relax into play God, because he is generous and good, allows, you know, like us to think in different ways when we are playing. So there is a lot of good and beautiful reasons to play. Um, and I think it play is different from leisure um, or how we often think of of leisure. If um, I don't think I, I don't think there's anything wrong with watching Netflix, but I do think there can be something wrong with watching Netflix. If that that's not um, usually regenerative to us um, in the same way that running outside and playing baseball or going for a bike ride or cooking something or even having a conversation with a friend, those restore us in ways that our technology can't always do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I sometimes think, I mean, we always ask on this question, like, would Jesus play video games? What would Jesus? And I do wonder about like Jesus sitting, fishing. And I'm like, there's, there is an element of a video game there. Obviously it has a reward of a fish. Um, but even like when he, he's like, Hey, you know, Peter, you, you, we need to pay tax. Why don't you go and get it from the mouth of a fish? Like he had to do that with a smile. Like he had to, you know, and even like, like the God of all, yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> the God of all creation, creating all of these different beautiful things that make us smile and give us joy. Um, you know, I just, God didn't have to create a color palette, right? He didn't have to allow for music to come into the world. Um, you know, maybe play and music, there's something there that's that's similar. I don't know. Even poetry, like God could have just written a rule book. Like Islam is is not poetry as opposed to Christianity, where you have a third of the Bible is poetry. There's something there that God wants us to play or he wants us to relax or or to experience his creation. Or, you know, if you think about that word of recreation, he wants us to do that. Um, and I don't know. I just, it's like, I want it to be like, oh, this is good. We should do it. But then I'm also like, it's addictive. It's, it's dangerous. How are you navigating it for your kids? You talked about the games that they play. You didn't reference any video games. Are you setting clear limits on video games for them? Or what does that look like for you? Yeah, that's a good question. So I'm an outlier in the, um, Oh, we, we do very, very, very little, um, with my youngest in the, in the podcast and in the article you will read, he was struggling a lot, um, because he just, it was easy for him to get addicted to it. I think, I think some personalities can handle it better than others. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's some kids you put them on and then you say after half an hour, okay, you're done. And they're like, great. And they're done. And they're off to do something else. Um, that wasn't what it was like for him. He, he struggled a lot when we told him to get off. And um, it would lead to lying and cheating a little bit because then if we told him to get off and left the room, he didn't get off, right? So then he's having to hide from us what he's doing. Um, he thought about it a tremendous amount, a lot more. I mean, it was just like always in his mind of like, I wonder if I can right. play this. I wonder if I can play that. I wonder, you know, like, what should I do in this? And it was just like to the point where we were like, is this all that you're thinking about? I mean, God made a whole big world out there for you. Um, and, and we also noticed, um, the, the, the more it didn't help to just limit it to like, okay, only on Saturday mornings or whatever. It didn't, it, it he was still thinking about it all week long. Um, but it did make a difference to, for his personality to take it away altogether. Um, almost an instant difference, honestly. And it kind of almost, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but from observing him, it almost seemed like a relief to him that it was just gone. Mm. And then he just could and I, like I told you, all those 150 things that he's interested in, his interest level in those went right back up. And so now he wants to work on something outside. He he got some ropes and he tied them from a tree to our deck. And now he tries to like get across from the tree to the deck. Like he's he just got more interested in other things. So for him, taking video games out of the picture altogether at this stage of his life was the right move. I'm not saying it's the right move for everyone. I'm not saying it's the right move for all seasons, but I am saying that should be an option on the table just in case like this is, is one potential way. And for him that we felt like that in his spiritual development and his, you know, relational development with other people was, was the right move. Our older son is a more able to put things down, maybe part, partly personality, partly because he's older. I'm not sure. Um, he also though, doesn't play a lot. And we um, just did a phone detox with him over Christmas where we took off all of his apps. And then we prayed together about which apps could go back on because I mm. think your phone disciples you. Um, and, and my husband did the same thing. Cause he's like, I'm picking this thing up. How many times a day? Um, I'm looking at it a lot. It's shaping the way I think it's shaping what I love. Um, you know, it's it. So let's, let's, um, I think it's just worth 
praying about, honestly, and thinking about like, let's pray about this game before we get this for you. Is this going to be the right use of your time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting to me because I'm now, you know, as a father, I just started playing games with my son and he's, uh, you know, three and a half, uh, four in a few months. And my wife, when she noticed how he was, he just started Hot Wheels Unleashed. You know, it's like, you know, same Hot Wheels cars that they're playing with, but now you play in this, like, you're zoomed into the car and you're going through these, like, loop-de-loops and stuff like that. So she was like, oh, my gosh, I've never seen him get this excited, right? And he was, like, really into it. And we set limits to be like, okay, we're only doing four races tonight or something. He's like, okay, like, we're doing four different races. And he doesn't ask for it every night. But it is something that I'm now starting to think a lot more about. And for me, actually, I'm usually quiet in these conversations because I'm a self-professed like big gamer. I played a lot of games growing up, all different genres. And I think like I even had those moments where my parents would be like, wow, you're like always thinking about games. That's all you think about. And like, I don't know, I turned out okay, but it's interesting to think about like, was that a bad phase in my time, in my life? Could it have gone in a worse direction? Um, Why didn't it? And is there kind of like in a controlled environment, a nice value that comes from allowing yourself to be immersed? So it's kind of like um, if you're watching a TV show and the TV show is 20 minutes, but or you allow yourself to watch a two hour movie, it's like the watching multiple TV shows for two hours doesn't equate to the depth of emotions and narrative and stuff that you can sell in a movie. So for me personally, playing more like adventure style games, even as an adult, I will play like, I don't know, an 18 hour immersive game versus these like 10 minute, 20 minute hit, hit, hit of like, oh, I'm just going to go and rinse and repeat and like go get the bad guys. Right. It's like a completely different experience. So I think, yeah, all of these nuances are are interesting things to think about, but especially for people who don't have that awareness about the different type of games, it's a lot to learn about, think about how to, you know, parent your child. Yeah. And how the games are shaping their, like there's a, you know, more, I know barely any video games. Um, there's, there's probably millions of video games, right? And to think about like, this is shaping, know what your kids are playing, I guess, right? Or like, this is going to shape how they're thinking. Just like, know what your kids are reading. Um, know what your kids are watching on Netflix. Yeah. Just yeah. know, um, know what the storyline is. Know what, you know, are there things you need to talk about with them or just ask them like, how does that make you feel? What do you think about that? Or, um, would you do that in real life? Or, you know, like, what do you think? Did they do the right thing? Was that the right thing to do? Um, uh, yeah, I like it. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just going to say it's an interesting thing where it really depends on the video games. And I do think like for the most part, a majority of kids are playing the same game like Call of Duty or um, stuff like that. But there was um, Gran Turismo was a game about racing and they're really about making authentic simulating experiences. And they started something called GT Academy, where they took all these like esport gamers and they said, okay, let's compete. And there was the winner, Jen Martinbro, who actually went on to play real, uh, real, um, drive real race cars as a pro driver. So he now drives for a Toyota. And it's because in that game, he's using a real steering wheel. It's really about like using all of the same tells and like seeing how you approach a turn and stuff like that. 
that translate to real life. And as we kind of approach these like more immersive games, you know, the value can be completely different than a flat screen and like something that doesn't have any translation. Yes, I totally agree with that. I'm I'm curious about that and interested about that. I know that there's like, or like games that will teach you how to hit with a baseball bat. But if you're holding, if you're wearing your Oculus and hitting with the baseball bat, you're probably actually learning. Unlike kids who are playing Wii or something, or, you know, I'm just really good at this because I can do it on the screen. Um, but that doesn't actually translate. You're not actually really good at that um, in real life. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Just like, I mean, there's so much to figure out in terms of what different types of video games but a lot of the video games it's it's about a free game that has microtransactions in it so that you are you know okay you can wait two days in order to get this resource or you can pay a dollar and then you pay a dollar and then all of a sudden there goes a hundred dollars and obviously if your kid's playing that game and your credit card starts racking up the bills that's a problem you'll you'll notice that pretty quickly but they're in the same light like in in chess, there's a huge difference between playing a three-hour slow game over the board versus a one-minute game. Like Joel, Joel is funny. You're like, well, just 10-minute hits, that would be bad. Well, the chess I'm most addicted to is the <laughs> one-minute chess. There's even 30-second chess where you play an entire chess game in less than a minute. And this is bullet chess. It's actually a huge trend. They've doubled on their website in the last 10 months, chess.com. And it's one of the top 10 downloaded apps right now on the App Store. And it's like chess is boring, but it's giving the stimulant of that quick win or quick defeat. And like Sarah, you were saying, that quick defeat, for me, it's like, oh, don't worry, I'll play one more and then I'll win. And once I win, then I'll stop. But then once you win, you get that hit of victory and you're like, well, let me see how many I can get in a row now. And it, you trick yourself into doing this. And so I do think about when you, if you are a creator of a video game, and this is something Faith Tech did an analysis of the, the gaming industry. They found that in general, video games tend to be neutral towards religion or slightly negative or just straight up negative. So the narrative arc in a, whether it's Grand Theft Auto or PUBG or whatever, like, like they're not seeing, they might be mystical, there might be magicians, but they're not, they're not using that storyline in order to embed positive views towards Christianity. Like, I wonder if there's someone listening to this podcast that, you know, just as what C.S. Lewis or J.R. Tolkien did to fiction, could there be someone who did that to video games? And they didn't do a video game that had a quick hit dopamine rush, but it was actually about a more immersive movie-like experience or a fiction, reading a book of fiction, like a Chronicles of Narnia experience. Mm -hmm. Do you see potential for that? Is that what they're doing at the University of Dort? Are they thinking about these things? They're they're thinking about it. So keep in mind, this game club is one year old. Um, So they're at the very (laughs) beginning or at the beginning of this conversation. I think that's definitely, and they're not, they're kids. I mean, they're college kids. They're not game developers at this point, but I think they're, ho- I know they're hoping that this is the seeds, um, right? That these kids will start thinking now, how do we think well about this? And that they will go forward and make stuff like that. Um, yeah. I mean, my, my desire would be that that would be popular. And I know there are people out there making Christian games, yeah, like they're specifically out there. Christian games, but I don't, I don't know that there's anything that shapes the public imagination. There's nothing that call of duty level, right? Like there's nothing that's <laughs> shaping the public imagination. Um, yeah. that's Christian. 
Yeah, no, this is a really interesting point that you guys are touching on is like in the evolution of gaming, microtransaction has become a big thing. And a lot of that comes back to like, okay, these game developers, how do they survive? How do they make sure they can make their next game? So they're thinking about the business model. The people who are making these like AAA, you know, adventure games, they need a lot of money. And that's very different than the indie developers who's making like, you know, a 2D side scrolling game. Um, but they're making it like smaller and maybe adding microtransactions and then growing from there. So, you know, for game developers, you know, the question is like, if we wanted to incentivize them to move away from microtransactions because that doesn't, you know, create a good relationship, what could we do to, you know, support them in building more profound games where where the story kind of has like a impact honestly um they're the best game i played okay I, I wasn't planning on saying this the best game i played is a game called uh the last of us and hbo actually just started a tv show about it and it's actually about um fungus that mutates into an infection and then there's a worldwide pandemic um and they did this you know years before our recent pandemic. So it was kind of eerie, um, but it's different because it's a fungal infection. So the narrative of that was so real to me that when I played that game, it was quite immersive and got me thinking about how society would be and, you know, the different things that we even experienced recently, but to a greater level. Um, so yeah, like if we wanted to encourage Christian game developers, like how could we do that and kind of embed the story of Christ without being so um, in your face about it. Well, and that's why yeah. C.S. Lewis and Tolkien are good examples of fiction that stands on its own, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know, Joel. It's it's one thing that I know from Bible app, the history of Bible apps, is that the best Bible apps were not created by theologians who tried to learn software. The mm -hmm. best Bible apps were created by people who worked at Microsoft and said, let's make a Bible app. This is John Dyer's book, People of the Screen, where he talks about this. It's the best Bible apps today, like Logos Bible Software, Uversion, like they tended to be hiring and, and people who had a passion, who are technologists, who then were informed by theological discussions and their church, and then went towards it. So that that's who I see it. I see it's someone who's working at EA Sports right now. There's an office here at downtown Kitchener. Um, who knows what the future will hold, but I, I also, yeah, I, I also think there's weird gimmicks and I, you know, I, I remember at Faith Tech, there's like people trying to come up with games and it's like, oh, it's going to be gamified discipleship. You're going to get a bonus point for every time you read the Bible. And it's like, no, no, no. Like we've tried that with Instagram. It doesn't work. Um, but okay. We got to wrap up because we're taking lots of your time, Sarah. We're going to give you the, the, the difficult question. Do you think that Jesus would play video games if he lived today? Wow, that is a good question. Um, gosh, if I'll, I'll, I'll say this, if Jesus played video games, um, I don't think it would be a game in which uh, there were questionable morals. I don't think he would shoot someone in a video game. I don't, you're right. right? Like, I don't think he would uh, I don't think his avatar, I think I picture him more like in maybe Minecraft or something like, I don't think his avatar would hurt another avatar. Um, and, and secondly, I think it would be the perfect use of his time at that moment. Like 
it would be a way that he was connecting or reaching someone or healing someone. I don't think it would be um, in solitude because I think in solitude he prayed, right, and and sank into the scriptures. And so I think um, if he did, it would it would be perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's such a tough question because obviously he lived a perfect life and he used his time well. We know he rested. We know he slept. We know he worked as a carpenter for a long time that we like, it, it was unremarkable. I say that because we don't have any <laughs> writings about his carpentry work. He was just an average Joe Carpenter, so to speak, who swung a hammer, used his technology of the day, had calluses on his hands because his technology caused calluses on his hand, just like any other technology affects you, right? So mm. it's interesting. It's interesting. I don't know. I don't know if he would. I'm very hesitant to say he would because you read in the Gospels just such deliberate choices. Mm. And sometimes it seems like and and you see him celebrating at parties, but it's always with others. I think that social element compared to the secluded element, that if we were playing video games together, forming a relationship, I, I mean, that's why I know our wives, my good friend and I, when we play video games, like our wives are super supportive of that. Whereas if I am playing chess all day at home, then that's, that's something different. Um, so anyways, this has been a super helpful conversation. Um, I, I didn't leave enough time for the social media conversation, but quickly, why did you get off social media? Um, I got off social media because I talked to some brilliant and, and thoughtful and godly girls who were in college and they could tell me what social media was doing to them. And they like the way that it changed their lives and the way that it made them sadder and uh, more anxious. And then they could tell me even why they didn't get off. And they were so honest and real and they didn't get off because um, they liked, they had followers, they had, and they wanted to keep their followers and they liked the pictures of themselves that were on there. But when you think about that for more than five seconds, you're like, okay, but you have those pictures also on your phone. So what you like is the likes on those pictures. Mm. And after I talked to them, I thought, um, those are really dumb reasons. And they knew they were dumb reasons. She said, these are shallow reasons. And I said, they are, you're right. And then I thought, but those are also my reasons. Um, that's why I'm not secretly like when I really dig down into it and I couldn't even see it till she held that mirror up to me. And I was like, Oh, that's really what's underneath my hesitancy here is because I have followers and I have likes. Um, that's, that's what my heart is, is clinging to here. Mm. Um, and so I, that scared me half to death. I was like, what a dumb reason. Like, ah, what is this really what I'm doing? Um, and so I got off in which, um, what I actually mean is my husband got me off because I knew if I got on to get myself off, I would just scroll. Um, so I asked my husband and he took me off of stuff. And then, um, the reason I stay off is because, um, I love this life, my real unconnected life so much, and it just gets better and better. I have a longer, I have a longer attention span. I'm better able to pay attention to what's happening around me. I'm more interested in what's happening around me. I'm more interested in my family and my home and our real life and the people. Um, I have more time for exercising or reading or doing the laundry, all those minutes that were sucked away before. It's like, I just added two hours to my day. So someone mm -hmm. said to you, would you like two hours back in your day? Would you like to have two more hours out than ever? You'd be like, of course, of course I want two more hours than anybody else. Um, that's what I feel like happened to me. And so I would, 
I can't imagine going back because it feels, I love this life. Totally. Totally. And you're convicting me. I'm thinking about my Twitter use. (laughs) What if the person's sitting there, they're listening to this or they're driving, they're doing laundry and they're like, I would get off, but that affirmation is just so comforting that, that sense of belonging that, what would you say to them? I would say go slow. I mean, remember, I did not do this cold turkey, you guys. This took me years and years of feeling uncomfortable with social media, very slowly figuring out what was going on. And and it took a kick to get off. Um, And so I would just say, just take one step back at a time and see how you feel and take another step back and see how that goes and just keep thinking about it. And I would really say, pray about it. Ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? Because I don't think he wants all Christians to leave social media, but I think he probably wants some Christians to leave social media. Mm. And so I would just say like, God, what, please give me your desires, like give, change the desires of my heart to match yours. What do you want me to do with my time? How can you use me online? Can you use me better offline? Like, where would you have me be? Um, because if you're where God wants you to be, then you're in the right spot. And I, yep. I can't say to you where that is, but only God can tell you where that is. So, yeah, it's really helpful. Awesome. Well, thanks, Sarah, so much. This has been a fascinating conversation as Thank a parent. You. I could talk all day. Yeah. Honestly, just the insight on thinking about your own kids and thinking about knowing each each one of your kids, like you described your son in such detail of what he was doing and things like that. And it's just encouraged me to pay attention to my kids and what are they like? What are they, what are their hearts drawing to? What, what is that potential idol? And and what's the flag when they start sinning explicitly like lying, you know, like just such good wisdom there. And I really appreciate uh, the work you do, the, the things you write and for giving us hope in a, in an anxious age. So thank, thank you. you. Thanks for this podcast, you guys. This has been a delight and it's always good to stop and think about something and talk about it with somebody else. Just my other advice is talk to, just talk to your friends about it to see, you know, what are they seeing too? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well, this has been What Would Jesus Tech? Uh, my name is Andrew, joined with Sarah and Joel. One more thing to add I highly recommend if you've enjoyed this podcast that you check out Sarah's podcast recorded with the Gospel Coalition. And they did an episode on gaming alone, where it goes into much more detail than we've covered here about this story, as well as the other episode that she did on social media. I'll link to both of those in the show notes. Um, Do check them out and and, uh, subscribe to Recorded. Thank you for listening to WWJT. Thank you for subscribing. And we encourage you to use tech to find rest and to glorify God. Take care.